Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. It'll never happen here in America. And that's what was said prior to 9-11. And since then has been proven again and again to be wrong, sadly. It does happen here in America. But it's not just since 9-11. It has happened here in America at many other times. Where things in this world is seen, how could this be? And how could this possibly have taken place? Or how could it have taken place in my life? Sadly, what you and I confess to be true as Christians, what we believe, teach, and confess from the Scriptures and from that which defines them, the book of Concord, about what we believe to be true in regard to those Scriptures, is at great variance with the rest of this world. And sadly, is at variance with many other Christians in this nation. So to say that it'll never happen is to deny what God has already revealed to us in His Holy Word. We're one of the last ones that hold and affirm that God has given the responsibility for pastors to be adult males. Most of the denominations don't. We're also one of the few that hold that life begins at conception and should be revered as such. But we live in a nation that condones it and allows it to continue the death of young Americans. We affirm and believe that infants are born sinful and are in need the grace that God gives us in baptism. And yet, Many churches, though they use it and practice it, do not see it to be giving such forgiveness of sins and impartation of the Holy Spirit. We cling to the fact that this world was made in six 24-hour days, as Scripture declares. And yet there is a quagmire, a multitudinous versions of how this world came about. So yes, it does happen here. And it does happen to us. Now having, had say, having said that, how then do we respond to such a variance with the rest of the world? On one hand, we can become radical, which is typically what people respond to when being attacked, marginalized, and viewed as narrow-minded and myopic. So we can pick up things and try to change things in this world and for this time to bring about our own little earthly kingdom here and now. The church has never experienced that for very long. It has gone through times when it was the agreed-upon or accepted point of view, and it has gone through many centuries 
and still is going through at various parts of the world, including our beloved nation, as being myopic, close-minded. The other extreme from that is to completely close down, shut off, ignore, and put our head in the sand. There have been many sects that have done that. Amish, monks in a monastery, as if this variance with which we have with the world is not a part of what we're going to be a part of, we remove ourselves, which leaves you and me right here in the middle. How then do we deal with this? The desire is to completely try to overcome it with positive optimism. Positive optimism works for a time until you get bit and you can see the wounds and feel the pain of being at variance with this world in which we live and this nation of which we call home. Most of the time when we're surprised, we're not listening to what God has already proclaimed and revealed to us in His Holy Word. This morning in the Gospel reading, He reminds the apostles on the very night of His betrayal, on the very night of Him instituting the great gift of victory, the Lord's Supper, He reveals to His disciples, His apostles primarily, that this is the way of life for them and for the future of all who have been baptized into Christ. This is our life in this world, which is at great variance to us and our point of view from Scripture. That's why he says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth, for He will not speak on His own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. The Spirit has come. And he has declared to you, for he dwells within you, the things that are to come. These are the things that are to come that Jesus mentioned to his beloved apostles that the world will continue to grow in its animosity toward us and toward our point of view of reality and will view this point of view of which we believe, our faith, as being completely unapplicable to this world. So why should we be surprised when encountering such vehemence against us? because there's still a part of us that wants to see victory here and now and see it in a big way almost so that we can say, see, I told you so, because it's no fun being the butt of ridicule and scorn. That's why Jesus said very clearly, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful. He has told us that. For us to expect anything else is to truly be our head in the sand and ignoring what God has said. 
but in the same way he has revealed this to us, has he also revealed to us the joy that is ours and that awaits us, and that is sure and is certain that is ours? That is how the apostles faced all of their martyrdoms. That is how the disciples faced the death that waited for them as they lived and would not die without confessing Christ. It wasn't as if they came upon some great gift of self-courage. They relied upon the faith that God had given them and their spirit that God had given them made them stand firm by those promises. problem is we're tempted to want the joy now. And that is a problem. But we can learn a lot from you mothers. For you mothers had to endure nine months of a lot of pain and sorrow before you held in your arms the result of those nine months, your son or your daughter. And then there is joy. And isn't it interesting, because when women get together, they talk about the war stories of their pregnancies, of how their back was painful and, and how it was, and they love to even chide their kids. Boy, I tell you, you were the most difficult thing to carry, and you kicked right up here in my ribs. Such a beautiful example that our Lord uses the same one in the gospel reading. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. God be praised for you mothers, for we, your sons and daughters, look at you and say thank you for enduring those nine months of sorrow and trial and tribulation to give birth to us, and to bring us into this world. And we need to learn a great lesson from that. And in the same way, we will also endure this time, this beginning and end, this determinate amount of time of sorrow, but we will hold in our arms the gift of our salvation. We will have joy. It will not be taken from us. That's why we gather here. That's why you are here today, to be reminded of such great truths. You sang it with great gusto, with the choir backing you up, these very words of what we're about here to be a partaker of. This is the feast of the victory for our God. Worthy is Christ the Lamb who was slain, whose blood has set us free to be people of God. 
For the Lamb who was slain has begun His reign. Alleluia. This is the feast of victory for our God. Your victory and mine. It doesn't look like it. It doesn't always feel like it. But it is your sure and certain promise that joy awaits you. And it will not be taken from you, regardless of the sorrow and the mocking of this world and the things that surprise you and cause your head to spin. Do not ponder and dwell on those things for only your own flesh. And only Satan in this world draws us to dwell upon such things. Dwell rather at the victory that is yours and mine. Dwell rather upon the joy that is ours, though we do not have it in its fullness yet. That is your and my hope that is sure and certain. And as Christ our Lord said, no one will take it from you. The same apostle who wrote this beautiful gospel reading is the same one who wrote the book of Revelation, whose words are our confidence. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be His people. And God Himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Behold, I make all things new. This is our hope and our victory. This is our joy in the midst of everything in this world telling us we're wrong. Dwell upon those good things and be faithful. Be steadfast and immovable upon those sure and certain hopes. For everything is ours in Christ. Rejoice. It is complete. In His name, amen. Peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds on Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.